Hello guys and welcome to episode 80 of the Worldwide Chels pod. We are back again and it's another beautiful day, another beautiful week that has ended for Chelsea fans because we are top of the table. We're three points clear of Liverpool, we're five points clear of City. It's just a beautiful time. And I have a complete new, well I would say new, it's it's two people that, well one of them was back on last week, but someone that hasn't been on for a month's part of the OG podcast and we'll be glad to have him on. So first of all, I uh, introduce Corey. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, man. Glad to be back on. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been trying to get you on for months, but obviously timing, schedule, work, it just, as you guys know, it all, get, it all gets impossible, but we've, we've got him on. We've got Corey on and I am pleasured to have him on. Um, and it would be great. This is going to be a good pod. 100%. 100%. And then next we bring back Arrow, coming on for the second week in a row, which is perfect. Arrow, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing amazing. It's been a swell time for us anyway, because we've been winning last... I mean, we've only lost the whole season just once, I guess. So that's as good as it gets, I guess. And the last win was... Pretty comfortable because I thought that would be uh, a bit difficult, maybe a bit complicated, but it was a breeze anyway. And Malmo tomorrow, so the games keep on coming. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this bit, this busy season, they the games just keep on coming. I mean, I, I know last season was busy, but this season just been mad. I mean, you, whether whether it's Chelsea games or constant international breaks, where even the international breaks you've got three or four games in that it's just it's just a nightmare um but yeah that's one of the things obviously we're coming off of last week uh, weekend's match 3-0 Chelsea against Newcastle two goals from Reese James and a penalty from Jorginho I mean Arrow I think the fact we can't skip the fact of Reese James St Reese James's Park he's taken over Newcastle uh we we sure we thought the uh, we thought Saudi Arabia have taken over Newcastle, but no, Rhys James has come in and gone boom. I'm taking it over. Uh, we've got a new takeover. But Arrow, what what did you think of not just obviously we'll go through the Rhys James goal goals, but just the general performance as well? Uh, I mean, the general performance has been great because uh, last season our main issue was tackling the low block. Uh, not just the last season, even before that, because we used to. Uh, in open games, we used to play well. We things used to go for us, and we used to score goals. But in the games where teams played a low block, we were unable to create goals or score them. I mean, we weren't just missing goals from then. We were unable to create the goals. Uh, and then last season, we were able to create the goals, but the finishing was far, far off. But this season, things seems to have gone a bit better, and yeah, we are finally scoring goals against low-block teams, and we are scoring well against low-block teams because these games, we haven't scored like this uh, in a long, long time since many years because we've just been uh, getting past them, like maximum of maybe four goals, which is something we used to do against Burnley all the time, and a maximum of three goals maybe against teams like Norwich or Newcastle, even Southampton. We even I mean, got complicated relationships against Southampton in the middle. Oh, let don't even get me started on teams like Bournemouth 
or yeah, or Sheffield United. I mean, I'm so glad they're all in the championship right now. So, yeah, it's great to see that we are finally scoring goals against uh, low-block teams, and we're scoring well against low-block teams. Because what used to happen was we pressured them. We used to have 80% possession, but nothing to show for it. We didn't have many shots on target. We didn't create much, not many passes into the opposition. I mean, we were always passing in the opposition half, but in the final third, I mean, things used to go awry all the time. And we even got caught in the counter many times. But that seems to have gone away, getting caught in the counter, because uh, we seem to have uh, conceded less and less goals from counter. We used, we used to concede many goals from counter attacks. But nowadays, it's mostly just uh, set pieces that we concede against. So that's a positive for us. And patience was the key for us. Patience was the key in this game. Because it took an hour for the game to finally have a first goal. We, we had a lot of shots on target. I mean, not a lot, but quite a few shots on target. The Ziyech one should have gone in. Uh, one of them was offside. The other just hit the post. And, I mean, we didn't have that many chances, but once one of the goals started, uh, I mean, one of the goals came in, uh, we just started scoring and we couldn't stop. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was it was fantastic. I mean, just the general performance. And um, I think we had, to, we had to grow into the game and I think we had to be patient. But I think from this Chelsea team, we kind of saw that patience and once we did get that goal from Reese James, the, the the goals just kept on coming and we got grew in confidence and managed to contain it. Obviously you said about the counter attack aspect from last season. I mean, we've only conceded three goals this season in ten games. Um if you if it stays like that throughout the whole season, we, we beat the Mourinho record. So that yeah, shows how we actually good have we are a being. chance of beating that record. I mean, who would have thought that that would be broken anyway? But, but but to be broken by us again, wow, that just seems unreal. Because we've only considered three, and uh, we're a quarter of the way through the season. We've played 10 or 11 games, I guess. And yeah, it is a possibility. Because three out of 15, it is a big possibility if we continue like this and don't hit our uh, December slump. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean to think one of the goals as well, it shouldn't be probably shouldn't it wasn't a penalty for the Liverpool game, so technically we could have been on uh, just two. I would say it wasn't a penalty, it was a penalty, but it mm. was the red card. I I still I still have questions of whether it's a penalty, but we'll 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 get we'll we'll skip that point. That'll just get me annoyed about Anthony Taylor, so I I won't want to do that while we're positive. Um Corey, what did you think of Sir well, Saint Reese James, as we call him Saint Reese James's Park? What do you think of his performance uh, and the goals? Yeah, I mean, he. Um, I, I posted it on Twitter. He is better than any other right back uh, that any other team has. We have, honestly, England's best right back. We have our best right back. And I have I know that we uh, we had talks about it, I think, uh, last year when we found out that Tariq Lamptey was sold. And we were like, oh, you know, it's kind of going to suck that not having Tariq Lamptey because he is, you know, you've seen him at Brighton. He's been one hell of a player, but... I think uh, finding Reese finding his stride um, not only amongst himself but amongst in the team playing with the players. I think he he knows his role, and I think with 
with Tuchel as well as as he has clearly made it easier to understand probably playing in that right wing back spot. I know that we had we have Dave who's played there before, um, and you have Marcus Alonso and, and Chilwell who are who are seasoned players in those roles. But still at the same time, Reese finding his stride and he's only still like what twenty one. You know, I think for him. The confidence, to, I think that's what it is. I think mainly it's just confidence, being able to know that you're the starting right back. There's never been a question about it. Maybe in some games if he's hurt or if the opposition lined up and he plays at the uh, at the center half and Dave moves up to right wing back, I think. For him, confidence, especially at such a young age, you see it with Mason too at the same time. like Just being able to have um, patience with your coaching staff, giving you opportunities, growing with your opportunities. And I just think for him, like especially defensively, he's he's grown. He's still prone to um, making an error or a mistake. Usually, it's uh, over the top. You seem to comes. He kind of like forgets what he's doing, and he's just he's caught ball watching, and then someone's running in behind him. But he he makes that up, you know, with his pure strength and his athleticism. Um, his goals, I mean, absolutely brilliant. You never think a right back can actually score on the half volley like that. The, his first goal was a pure pure brilliance. I mean. I was mind blown that went in top corner half volley couldn't couldn't have hit any better and then the other goal literally carbon copy except with the left I mean this guy is a freaking nature yeah I mean in terms of the whole right back debate in terms of the best of what I think the my only my only player that I would argue and I would say it's more just a defensive aspect would be Kimmich in terms of best in the world. But even then, at the right wing back, then that you kind of have to take Kimmich out of that because I don't think he can really play a right wing back role. But yeah, and he yeah. he plays a lot of defensive uh, midfielder too for Bayern. Yeah, occasionally. Exactly. So. Um, we become like a right back factory because we've we produced Reece James, we've <laughs> Lampty, produced Tyreek Lampty, and Lieberman-so. just yep. tearing up the league. That's and Lieberman-so yeah, has a buyback, right? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Exactly. Million. I think it, it's going to be activated because. Espy's not going to be here forever, right? Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I do, I do see Reese James as potentially if, if we do stick with this three at the back, which I do think we will revert back to a four at the back eventually. I think this is just but still the, the transition. Three at the back, like Dino would fit in perfectly at this position as a yeah. wing back. Yeah, yeah I, I, do, think... I, do, I see. I, I would if we do stay at three at the back. I do see Reese James moving into that centre back. On the I was right going to say, I, I still see him. I still not to interrupt. I still see him as like a. I still see him as like a defensive mid. I know he played it at Wigan, and, and he uh, he he won the Player of the Year that year. But I, I still see him sometimes as a defensive mid. Like his possession and his calmness on the ball, you can see where, like that midfielder role, like it suits him in a way. But I can see where if he wanted to stay playing right back, I wouldn't blame him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean it's it's part of the the dynamic and uh, dynamicness of our team. We can have different players playing yeah, in different positions. Yeah, that's the positions. best part about this squad right now that it's so versatile definitely i mean just making the point of the whole we always get into it trent versus reese james the uh debate i don't think it's a question now i mean trent is basically the definition of an apron good going forward but he's absolutely useless going back we've always seen that reese james while we can have a bit of lapse of concentration at times generally is quite good in defense and i mean the stats this season uh, he's had a goal or assist every 61 minutes. So, if wow. from a right wing back, the that's, that of, is Trent levels. Yeah, but get into the debate of uh, Reece James versus Trent. I said on you. There's only one point where 
Trent beats uh, Reese, and that's with the crosses. And Reese himself isn't that uh, too bad with the crosses as well. So everything else, Reese wins it all. But that's the thing I've always said before. I think Reese James is. I've always felt he's had a lot of good crosses. But the problem is you've seen so many of them crosses where it goes across goal and no one's been there. Whereas now yeah. we do have yeah. Lukaku. Who, I've who noticed can do that too. But the thing is, uh, with Trent's crosses, he just uh, he delivers them quite early from. Even from quite far, from uh, far towards the midfield of the whole pitch, right? And Reed yeah. just waits to cross the ball at the very end, like when he uh, goes, he beats the man, or when he's just by the byline. And Trent's crosses are quite different, and they are a bit reminiscent of uh, Beckham, I'd say. Not quite there, but yeah, they do remind me of those. I was, I was gonna say, I do see like we seem to like a lot of like like a uh, pullback crosses like it seems like get to the byline and pull it back and cross it out towards the, the edge of the box rather than cutting it in because it seems like what Matt said is there seems like every time there is a cross either from Chilwell, Alonzo or Reese uh, or Aspie like there's always a ball coming in across the face of goal and then no one's ever there there's no one's ever there just to tap it in whereas like that's what happens with Trent is <laughs> is with is with Trent is he crosses those is and you get Mane and you got and you got everybody else being able to to cross it in yeah, definitely. I mean, it is one of them things. But I, ju- I just look at our fullbacks now. We've got I mean, Chilwell, Byron, and one Just side. two in, in the midfield, right? Uh, just when we brought on two more midfielders uh, in place of one midfielder and one attacker, we we had the goal from across. Because uh, we missed that box-to-box player that we had previously in the back four systems. So you're always bound to miss out on a few crosses because... There wouldn't be as many players uh, moving forwards from the midfield area, making that late run that we used to have. Yeah, but I'd even argue when we've played four at the back uh, under Lampard, we've struggled. Because without Ruben, well. without Ruben uh, battling for the ball with, with that, with uh, I think I forgot who it was from Newcastle, but without him tech, uh, battling with, for the ball, uh, it wouldn't reach Reese James. So yeah, we true. had that advantage there. But yeah, I mean, the fact that we've just got two great fullbacks at the moment in Chilwell and Rhys James, both firing in terms of goals and assists, I, I do think that this is, the, this is the key part of our team. Like, yes, I'd argue sometimes we need a bit more creativity from the midfield, and I think Copper has shown that at times this season. Jorginho's improving his forward passes. Kante, well, Kante does everything else, so we can let him off for some forward passes. Can't and Not every player's perfect. And then Ruben's coming in and Providing some creativity now, so the fact that we we the fullbacks are our main creativity, and that's what I've always said. Whenever we've Chelsea the great have played, positive, positivity of this Tuchel squad is that it's quite flexible. It's not like yeah. uh, we're we're not rigid like we used to be uh, under Sarri, where it, like no matter if we win or lose or we're not unable to break the defense, it's going to be a rigid four-three-three, and that's what what we're going to stick with. No, Tuchel changes it up a lot. And that's great because you need to analyze the game and make changes so that you can change the whole scoreline. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I was just saying, if when Chelsea play bad, it's usually because the fullbacks are not on form. So the fact that we've got these fight, we've got Chilwell and Reese firing all cylinders. Even when Alonso's coming in, Alonso's looking okay. Uh, I understand that we have to use him in in bunches, so. If we can, I've always said if we can manage that and get the best out of that, then we'll, we'll have two great left backs. And then 
as P always does a decent job. I, I do real. I, I I do worry that I have never. I've not really seen that eight nine out of ten recently at all, and it's just been that seven out of ten at the best. But as P is at that age where he can't really play wing back, I do think we need to get that in eventually. But Livermento will come in the next few years, so I I don't mind. Rhys James can keep in that position and keep doing really well. Um, we'll go into next topic of just generally the lineup. Obviously. It was a lineup I was a bit surprised with when I saw it. I, 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 I personally didn't think Jorginho Kante was the right centre mid pivot, pivot, especially against Newcastle because everyone everyone knew Newcastle were going to sit back eleven men behind the ball, um, and that that proved to be true. Um, and obviously we did. We'll speak about the changes later on. But um, Arrow, what did you think of the lineup? Did you think that that midfield pivot was maybe just not right for the game? Uh, not really, because in my uh, match preview, I predicted that Jorginho uh, and Kante is going to start anyway. So that was spot on for me. And I was glad that they started because technically what you'd want, uh, even against a low block, is someone like Jorginho trying to pass the ball about and controlling the game from the midfield and maybe sometimes trying to ping balls over to the forwards and someone like Conte beside him who can stop the counter-attacks and is good on the ball. But the thing is that Conte wasn't fully fit for the game. He wasn't 100%. And I was asking in the, even in the group chat that he should be substituted for Ruben Loftus-Cheek. And that's what happened. So I think that was the right decision, decision to start Conte along with Jorginho. But as the game progressed, yeah, we could see that he was a bit off. And we need that change. Yeah, I mean, my point to it was just that Obviously, with the counter-attack aspect, since we've had the back three, we've not had too much of a problem with it. And I think where the problem I find with having Jorginho and Kante is sometimes it's just a bit too defensive. And when teams are putting 11 men behind the ball, you can allow... Initially, you would want someone like Kante beside Jorginho because we don't have uh, Kovacic right now. Because ideally, it would be Jorginho and Kovacic, maybe, but without... Kovacic, we need someone in the midfield who can defend. And Jorginho, I wouldn't trust to defend all uh, all by himself. But I mean, by uh, by the end of the game, when things were, I mean, looked a bit sus, and we knew that Newcastle is gonna put everyone behind the ball, and we were gonna have most of the ball. That's when Tuchel brought in two more uh, attacking midfielders. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have argued. Uh, we've seen it. In preseason, obviously it wasn't against a sort of low block team, but we've seen it against better teams that Ruben has played in that bo- in that box to box, but he has also s- sat back and been defensive at times as well. So I, I my idea was to have Ruben. He did play, start. I think, against Norwich, uh, but as the lone defender. I mean, lone CDM instead of a double pivot. Yeah, but I, that's what I always thought. I thought I understand. I I heard that obviously with the whole Ruben thing that he wasn't might not have been completely ready with the hip, little hip injury that he got in the midweek. So maybe that was why Kante started and Ruben come on. But I just felt that playing playing Ruben next to Jorginho, I think that probably would have been, I think that is probably maybe a way of going forward against these ultra low blocks. And obviously Newcastle, you do have St. Max that is quite dangerous on the counter attack. But even like say a Burnley where you haven't really got You've got McNeil, but again, McNeil isn't that kind of counter-attacking player. But you haven't really got that count, that proper counter-attack from Burnley. I think you can rely, especially with the physicality as well, to have a Ruben in there next to Jorginho and 
take that risk with the midfield. I mean, I felt I felt we could have been a bit more risky in this game because although I, I didn't feel, especially in the next game against Burnley, I feel we we don't really need a Kante and Jorginho, especially where Kante's got the problems, uh, his fitness, Kovacic is out. I feel like maybe using Ruben in that position could could have been more beneficial to us. Um, Corey, what did, what did you think of the starting lineup? Did you agree with it completely, or would you have made any changes to it? Um, I didn't mind it. Um, I understand. I, I hear Arrow's point. Um, I get why he did it. Um, obviously, we we're going to have a lot of possession. You, I mean, like you said, we knew every everyone knew that uh, that Newcastle was going to park the bus. I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, against a team like us, I mean, trying to just just trying to hold as much as you possibly can, and then on the counter, you know, try to at least do something. I mean, they did in the first half. It seemed like they were. They seemed a little dangerous. Anytime with St. Max on the ball, man, that he's creative as hell. So for him, he can make he can almost make anything happen out of nothing. Um, so for me, I didn't mind seeing Jorginho Kante. I would have probably rather see uh, Ruben. I just I just like Ruben a lot. I like how he carries the ball. He's usually always it tends to be dangerous when carrying it. Um, but with a, a game like where you don't have you know Lukaku being able to hold up the ball and you have someone like Kai. Um, I can understand why you would kind of just rather have Jorginho and and and, and Ngolo, uh back there in the two pivot, but um, I think if we had uh, Lukaku starting and he was and he was fit, that I think we might have seen someone like Ruben being able to grab the ball from deep, carry it forward, and let worry about Ngolo, you know, covering up the the cracks that you know they try to carry forward. Yeah, that makes sense. Obviously. Corey, I know you. I know you've been a big Ruben fan, um, yeah. and obviously you haven't been on the chart channel since he made his his made his remontada into the team. What have you thought of Ruben's form and him coming back in the squad and kind of nearly nearly forcing himself into the team? I, I think for me, I think I, I mean I was there in uh, in Massachusetts the day that he uh, blew his Achilles. So uh, for me, it was obviously you know heartbreaking to see him you know be able to come off the pitch that game and now being able to see his comeback. I think for me, it's inspiring, obviously uh, kind of like Callum Callum came back a little bit faster. Um, but I think for, for Ruben, I think just like I said about with Reese, it's confidence and being able to, to understand. I think with someone like Tuchel, he seems like, I, I mean, I don't know Thomas, but it seems like if he has one-on-one conversations with these players, it seems like he's like, just work hard, prove yourself in practice and training. And then, at some point, you will get your opportunity. When you get your opportunity, grab that opportunity by the balls and take that on. And and, and that's what Ruben's he's always done that. He's always done he did that with Sari. He he immediately was when he started playing in those Europa League games, what did he do? He took control of the game and by himself and making himself known, hey, I'm here to fucking play and I'm here to win games and I'm gonna be a difference maker. And what has he always done? He's always been a difference maker. I mean, his ability to use his strength. His control on the ball it makes him dangerous. He's like a um, he's like a bigger version of Kovacic, except a little bit. He I mean, Kovacic's a little bit less press resistant, but it seems like with with Ruben, he is. I think he's been one of the players, and I know we always continue. Everyone in the Chelsea fan base always continues to. It's Ruben's time. It's Ruben's time, and it, it, it will be eventually. I promise you, it, it's going to happen because someone like that caliber, you can't just let him go away. I mean, if you let him go somewhere else. You're gonna see he's gonna reap the benefits somewhere else. You know what I mean? Someone like Tamori, who's been at at AC Milan, he's he's reaping the benefits, being able to finally play and earn starting minutes. Um, and Ruben will get that. I, he's gonna get that chance because you know how you said N'Golo, his fitness. It's it's lately. I just think it's starting to show his age. All those miles that he's been running with 
with Lester and with us, I just think for him, like giving him time off every now and then and having to worry about playing somebody else next to him, I think, or next to Jorginho or, or Kovacic, it's got to be Ruben. He's the next guy that slots in that midfield. Uh, no offense to Ross Barkley or anybody other in the midfield, but it's it's Ruben's time and, and, and everyone's just going to reap the benefits watching that guy play. Yeah, I mean, I, as you as you, as everyone knows, I I love to hear that, and I think I I always said that once if you give Ruben a space of games like you have now, he has he's, he's he had the motivation when he had his back injuries to come back in Sari's time, and he was one of the best players in that time apart from Eden Hazard, and then now he's come back again from an injury that no one expected him to get back. Even even I was at the point I was like, let's see how he does. Um, obviously at Fulham he wasn't the best but I think that was more the team he was playing tactics position and the fact that he was just that that loan was his aim was to get fit and he's played the whole season which for me gave me the confidence that he'd come back at Chelsea given he would get the opportunity and he's gotten the opportunity because I think Tuchel's as he said it was he is a Tuchel type player I think he, Tuchel likes that type of player Ruben is he knows where he can use him, and I think he's taken. I always say with certain other players in the team that sometimes I feel that they, yes, they don't get too many opportunities, and that people are calling for them to play. But when they do play, they haven't taken the opportunity with both hands. But I feel like Ruben, he always has, and I think because he likes to deal with that pressure of is he going to get another chance? Because he knows it is last chance to lose. He's 25 years old. He's not the youngest ever anymore. Um, but he he's got he's got that dollar in the bank under Sari and he's showing it again and hopefully let's see how we go on because we're going to get new midfielders coming in we've got Gallagher doing well alone Billy Gilmore which is again just showing the depth and versatility we have in this in this in this not just team but generally Chelsea as an entity but we'll see at what role he gets in the future but I think Ruben could still become a great player for not just Chelsea but England. Um, Arrow, this will be a great transition into obviously back in the game with Ruben and Barkley to an extent. Obviously, both of them came on when it was nil-nil. We were looking at we were at that a little point struggling for a little bit of ideas. We were still dangerous, but we were just looked a bit lackluster in that beginning of that second half. But obviously, they come on, and while they weren't directly involved in the goals, do you think that changed the game? Yeah, in my opinion, it did change the game. Like I said. If it weren't for Ruben uh, jostling for the ball with that defender, he wouldn't have straight away got, got it over to Reese James. So without him there, we wouldn't have the ball to Reese James, and Reese James wouldn't have belted it over the keeper to the back of the net, and we wouldn't have that one nil lead. So that those two changes changed everything. We brought on two uh, two more attacking-minded midfielders in place of someone like Angolo Kante and. Uh, a winger in Hakim Ziyech, so we changed our whole system. We went to a four, a kind of a three-four-three. I mean, from a three-four-three to a three-five-two, I would like to say. So that did change the game quite a lot. And after we brought on Saul as well, then after that, yeah, it was clearly a three-five-two with uh, Kai Havertz and Ross Barkley as the most forward players, and. We even saw that combination as well with Barkley passing the ball through to Kai Havertz that led to the penalty. So I could say that, yeah, two of the goals that we got were, I mean, 
two of the uh, two of the players ever brought on at the beginning led to two of the goals indirectly. So I wouldn't say that they didn't have any impact. And like I said, the flexibility that Tuchel brings into the squad is very important. And we can see us reap the rewards because before that we would have just made like for like substitutions. Someone like I don't know uh, a winger. Do we even have any wingers right now? Nah. We didn't have any more wingers that day because Pulisic was injured, Mount was sick. So I guess that forced his hand as well. But we could have brought on another attacking player, but we brought on Barkley out of the blue. And we have seen Barkley getting games. I mean, he's never started apart from a League Cup game, but we he did get chances. He is getting chances. So Tuchel loves to give chances to the people that shows him uh, the things that he wants to see in training. And I guess... Ruben and Barkley both are showing him the things that they, that he wants to see in training because Ruben of the cheek is becoming a, a key player and there's no way that Saul Niguez gets that contract at the end of the season when the loan ends because we don't need him, clearly, frankly, we don't need him. Even if Ruben didn't perform the way he is doing right now, uh, we have Conor Gallagher to come in into the squad because he's been performing well as well. He's been performing really great. He got... Uh, an assist as well as a goal against City, which is saying something for a squad like Crystal Palace. And Palace, we could see that the resurgence of Palace uh, coincides with the way that Conor Gallagher plays for them because he's been key to their play. Yeah, I mean, with with the whole Gallagher thing, it kind of it brings a little uh, similarity to how when Ruben played, Ruben did really well at Palace going on loan. So maybe that is a similarity where... Connor may come back into the team and do well. I, I do think there's going to be one centre midfielder that does come in um, in the summer window because I do think and if if we were to go to a back four, I still think we need that kind of DM. But even with Sal, Sal is not that type of DM as well anyway. So I think I, I just yeah, as you said, he, he doesn't. I don't think he has a chance. I think it was a it was a good experiment to try and think maybe it could happen, but um, I don't think it will work. I think he'll go trying to go somewhere else well, in Spain, maybe. Sal just wanted to train at the position that he wants, uh, that he thinks is best for him, which is the central midfield. At least he's training at the position and not being asked to train as a wing-back, so at least he That's can true. smile about that much. <laughs> it's At least he doesn't have to play as a wing-back, I mean, let alone play. <laughs> so that. that's working out for him in a way. And as for Conor Gallagher, again, I mean, he's a proper box-to-box midfield or something with we've not had since a long time. People say that Mount is uh, a region or successor to Lampard, but I think that the true successor to the position of Lampard would be Conor Gallagher because Mount's been always deployed uh, as a part of the front three instead of a central midfielder. But Conor Gallagher is a proper central box-to-box midfielder. So, And we could even see those late runs because that goal against City, he came in late and the way he smacked the ball right against the crossbar and, and into the back of the net, it just gave me Lampard vibes. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think I, I do still think Mount's best position is coming back into that kind of number eight. But the problem is we don't play that. I mean, if we go to a back four, maybe we'll see that again pop up. But we'll have to wait and see when it comes. Um, Corey, what but did you think? He has mostly played as uh, number ten and been doing well. Uh, sorry for the interruption. Go on, Corey. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, Corey, what, what did you think of? Um, the changes. Do you think Ruben and Barkley changed the game? Yeah, I think I think 
I, I mean, I'll go on Barkley first. I think that 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 ball he pushed into uh, to Havertz, uh, to Kai Havertz, that that was a beautiful, beautiful little ball he 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 played in. I mean, unfortunately, Kai didn't score the goal, but um, Ross is one of those players, man. I I generally don't <laughs> I generally don't understand. Like he he seems like he's someone who he oh he needs the ball at his feet. I mean, I I don't really see him like he doesn't do a lot like off the ball. Um, but it just seems. I mean, personally. I, I, he's not my cup of tea, um, but I understand he he plays a role and and his role is in, is important. Clearly, he's played as a false nine. Uh, I think a couple weeks ago, uh, a couple games ago, I think actually I lied. Um, a couple games ago, he played as a false nine coming into the second half. I'm pretty sure. Um, but I think Ruben he really changes the game, man. He can really he can really influence, you know, a lot of a lot of different players, and he can he can really break down a defense almost. I feel like kind of on his own. Um, his runs, he's not afraid to make runs. Kind of like a, kind of like Timo. Like Timo's not afraid to make runs, even if they're not being used. Even if he doesn't get the ball, he's still trying to create space for other players. And I think that's what what we succeed on a lot, especially with with Tuchel, is is being able to have people just run and make random runs just to create space for everybody else. I think that's what Mount does as well. He 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 picks up those those empty holes in the space and drops in when when needed. Uh, unlike a lot of other players who who really aren't willing to do the dirty work, and I think that's what makes Mason so valuable to Chelsea. In in certain games, you can see where uh, he's influential to to how we play. Um, sometimes, um, not every game does he do that, but I think that's the same thing for Ruben. Ruben is kind of the same thing with Mason. Is they're willing to do some dirty work that everybody else isn't willing to do, and I think that's important to a lot of teams. You don't see a lot of other teams like Liverpool's. All, like Mil- look at James Milner. James Miller has has a resur- has a resurgence at Liverpool. I mean, he doesn't start every game, but when he does start, how influential has he been? Pretty influential. You know what I mean? He's the reason why they have a a, a title, and they have a U- a Champions League. It, it's he's probably one of the one of the reasons why they they've done so well. He's willing to play in positions that he's probably either never played in before or only played in a couple of times, but he always is willing to put a shift in. And I think that's what everyone needs to do, especially at Chelsea. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you're you're one hundred percent spot on there. I th- I think Barkley is. Uh, I I still think, I know he's playing well now, but I think he is his time is done. I think it is one of them things because we. I think certain players are out, such as Pulisic, um, Havertz is not really on form. Ziyech is not playing well. I think that's that's kind of giving him that lifeline. But I I think it's it's only a matter of time before he finds a move and he goes on. Um, and then we do get players to replace, say, Ziyech if he still struggles, or if Kai does stop, that he's not, he just continues not getting better, and say we do eventually decide that we may need to move him on, we get someone else in. I just think, I, I, whereas of Ruben, I think he can he can force his way back into this team. I think Barkley, I think I just think his time is done. Um, Matt, Matt, for Barkley, I mean... It's always like this for him because when he's some, he's got something to prove. When it's like when the manager gets him on the field and says, "This is your time, prove yourself," he does do it. But once he gets that spot, he always falls apart and just stops performing then and there. So you cannot rely on someone like Ross Barkley. I'd say yeah. that these performances are good for us in a way because they are getting us results, kind of, and it's also a way for us to be able to sell him in January. Yeah, yeah. I think 
I think also when Gallagher at the end of the year when Gallagher comes back off of his loan, I think that's when you'll probably see either Ross get sold in January or he gets sold in the summer. Just because I think Gallagher will end up filling his his spot, and I think you'll start seeing Gallagher get a little bit more minutes behind Ruben and everybody else. Yeah, as uh, Gilmore is going to be recalled as well, so Barkley is going to be moved on, and I think Gilmore is going to be integrated into the squad once again. Yeah, definitely. I think we'll obviously we'll talk about a little bit about Gilmore later on in the pod, but. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be one of the things. I think Barkley's time is done, but I think he, if I was him, I'd just enjoy the time he's got left at the club because I don't think it will be too long. Um, before we move on to the game in midweek, um, obviously we got the win, but that just was that wasn't the only positive of the weekend. We also had City losing against Crystal Palace, thanks to our boy Conor Gallagher, and Liverpool dropping points to uh, who did Liverpool play again? Uh, it was Brighton. Brighton, that's it. Brighton. I knew, I knew it was someone beginning with B, and I was like, it's not Brentford because they've already dropped points here at Brentford. But there you go. Um, you should have seen the goal from Moape. It was something else. Yeah, it was a good goal. I, I just couldn't. I mean, you know, you just had that brain fluff, brain, brain. Yeah. You can't. <laughs> I had the you, you have it in your head, and then suddenly, sometimes it just goes. But I mean, obviously, we've got next our next three games. We've got Burnley at home, Leicester away, and then United at home. And then there's some interesting games for both City and Liverpool to play. Obviously, Liverpool's next games: West Ham away. West Ham are flying right now and also beat Man City in the um, League Cup. So that could be a tough one for them. Then they go Arsenal at home and then Southampton at home. And then City, they have uh, the Manchester derby against United at Old Trafford. Then they go and play Everton at home. And then they also go and play West Ham at home. Um, Arrow, do you think there's any games where potentially... Liverpool and City could drop even more points. Yeah, City could drop points against Man United because now's the time for all these do-or-die games, right? It's always come to this point. At some point of the season, there comes a time when all his head is on the line, when he's about to be fired, and there's a key game ahead, like a key set of fixtures ahead of him, and he always delivers somehow. He gets the players to perform, he gets the wins somehow, he did against PSG, he did, he did against other teams, he did against Chelsea as well. I mean, I don't know how, the, how, how he does it. I guess it's his survival instincts kicking in from being a poor relegation battle manager, but I don't know where he gets it from. I guess that you could say there's a chance that Man U beats Man City. Uh, there's also the fact that Ronaldo would be pretty fired up against Pep Guardiola. So he's going to try his best as well. As for Liverpool, uh, yeah, West Ham are flying right now. They're flying quite high. Rice is scoring and assisting and playing a great game all round. They have Antonio, who's been performing well all season. So there's a, slip, there's a slippery slide for them that they could fall over and lose points because they did it against Brighton. So there's a bigger possibility to do it against West Ham United. Yeah, and obviously we've got, we have got Burnley at home, Leicester away, United at home. Do you, think, do you see us dropping points in any of them games or do you think we'll get through them games with maximum points? Burnley is an 83 points. Uh, Leicester is going to be a bit tricky, but from what I've seen of, of Leicester against West Ham, uh, I wouldn't say that I'm particularly worried. They did beat Man United, but 
it was the man united that you that tried to play a pressing drive of type of football that they aren't used to and the players don't work hard and hard enough because with man united you can see that they're they're a team uh, i guess in the top bottom five uh where they run the least distance so they are not a hard-working team and asking that team to to try to press from the for forwards, so uh, it's never going to work anyway. So Leicester, uh, yeah, I think Leicester's, Leicester's a win as well. Uh, I'd say Man United would be tricky. That's, but that's at the end of November, right? Yeah, and, and, and we're, we're at home as well, so we, we should be one that we yeah. should get through. Um, we should have Timo oh. and Lukaku back by then as well. Yeah, exactly, because obviously we've got Burnley's Saturday and then both the Leicester United games are after the international break. So and we any... have something to prove against Man United. Definitely, definitely. That, that is definitely true. I mean, bar any injuries in international break, which we know there'll be one that comes, we should have, if I'm right, everyone back. I mean, Werner could be touch and go because I don't know how, we still don't know actually how bad the hamstring injury actually is, but hopefully he'll be all right. Um, Corey? What do you think of City, uh, Liverpool and Chelsea's next three games? Do you think any of us are going to come out with nine points out of nine or do you think we're going to, get, we're going to extend our lead or, or even lose our lead? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think, uh, I think the only game that I'm actually... The only two games I'm worried about would be uh, Leicester a little bit. I'm a little concerned about that because just how they played us in the FA Cup, I just... I just sometimes Brendan Rodgers he's, he's a tricky he's a tricky coach man he 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 likes to deploy random tactics and, and sometimes it pays off for them um and and United you know Ole is going to have a resurgence because god forbid that man ever gets sacked from his job because he's legitimately one of the worst coaches I've ever seen and managers I've ever seen the guy literally has no clue what he's fucking doing um but I think for some reason when I I just think Ronaldo's going to turn up because it's be a it's going to be a massive game and Ronaldo always plays big in big games like that. You know, it, that man, he just, he flips a switch. It's him and Messi, man. They just flip a switch. And when they need to perform and they need to play in a big game, and they, when it matters most, they always usually end up stepping up. And it's what great players do. Um, but I think that game's going to be a little tricky. But I think the back three, I, I just think defensively we're so solid. And I think that we're hitting our stride um, maybe a little early. But I think sometimes strides happen multiple times a year. You know what I mean? We're going to get a slump at some point. You always do. Uh, it's hard to play, you know, all these games, you know, um, what it's like 86 games or something like that in in a year, maybe even a little bit more uh, with the um, the Cup World Cup. So um, I just think for us, I, I, I assume I'll assume City will drop points because I just think lately with injuries and and sometimes with the red card too, with uh, Laporte being out, I'm pretty sure he was the one who got the red card. That's a big loss for them. He's one of their best center backs. Him and Ruben Diaz are obviously their main center back pairing. I think United, the United's a weird team, man. Like I said, Ole keeps his job somehow. I don't understand how he does. I mean, Nuno gets fired, gets sacked, but then, you know, Ole keeps his job, which is laughable beyond me. Um, and I think Nuno's a better coach than, than Ole, but um, that's, we digress. But I think uh, United will end up dropping points because I think that we'll end up beating them anyways. So that only, no one comes out nine out of nine. I, I definitely would not be shocked if, if uh, yeah. no one gets nine uh, out of nine. I mean, but, it'll, be, it'll be interesting. I think, obviously, we do yeah. have our typical uh, December slump. So hopefully we can yep. try and build up as many points before we do face that. Because I know we have got West Ham, Everton in that time. So we have got some difficult 
difficult games. Yeah. And obviously the Club World Cup has been taken out of that December period, so that's made it a little bit easier for us. But we've still got the League Cup. Uh, we'll miss a topic, but there you go. Um, we will go straight into the Malmo preview because we was kind of finishing the review up, but there it goes. Technical things do happen. But anyway, that's that's how it goes. Um, Corey, obviously, Malmo is a game we sh- realistically should not be worried about, but you never know in football. Underdog scores do happen. Um, are you worried about going in this game or are you chilled? No, nah, I'm chilled. 100% chilled. I believe in Tommy T. I believe in the players, even if he decides to to uh, take some players out to, to keep them fresh, keep them healthy, and, and start some other players like Saul and, and maybe get Keppa a game in or every now and then. And we, I think I think for me, I, I want to see Keppa play a little bit more just because I know that we're going to end up seeing Mendy leave for uh, for AFCON, and he's going to be gone for how I don't know how long they're going to be gone for. So you have to at least get Keppa some minutes. He's got to get some game time a little bit more just so that you know the, the, back, the back line and, and him have communication with each other. I know that he played, uh, I think he played last week, for the the cup the cup game, but I still want to see him play a little bit more. Um, but I, I, I'm chill that I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned at all. Malmo, even if they score a goal, a couple goals, I don't. I believe in our team to to come to dig themselves out of the hole that um, and and get a win. So I'm not concerned at all. Yeah, Arrow, are you concerned, or do you think we we surely should be able to do this again easy? I think we should be easily able to do it because with the depth and squad that we have. We shouldn't be troubled by these teams, especially Malmo. I mean, Barclays scored against Malmo, home and away, in the Europa League. So it's Malmo we're talking about. Uh, yeah, Malmo is the... I mean, these are the two games that we need to pick up the maximum amount of points and the maximum amount of goal differences before we go into the game against Zenit and Juventus. And I think there'll be quite a lot of... Uh, Rotation in the squad, Kepa might start as well because it's a good thing that Kepa is, I mean, is warmed up and ready to go on whenever he's required because we're gonna need him when the Afcon starts in January. So it's important that Kepa is in the rhythm of winning games and making saves. So it's great that he has been involved and he has been getting positive results because it took a toll on him mentally, like conceding so many goals and those goals leading to losses so it's great to see him finally being happy and feeling a part of the squad as well yeah definitely i mean going into the team news obviously we have lukaku verna mount and cover out um arrow do you do you, do you have any concerns of that or is that just fine because they would have been rotated for this game anyway uh, i wouldn't say they would have been rotated because they were they did start in the first game but now that they're out, like I said in the last episode of the podcast, that this is the line of fixtures that you would want someone to miss if there is, I mean, a line of fixtures that you would want people to miss. But it's come at an opportune time, I would say. Yeah, so, definitely, definitely. Yeah, Mount, I mean, is Mount still sick? Uh, yeah, they've, they've confirmed it's not COVID-related. He's had negative tests, but he's just ill. Yeah, it happens. People get sick. It's thing people get sick apart from COVID as well. You know, it's not a big news. Uh, yeah, I'm not not worried too much about it. I'm just worried about uh, Kai Havertz being too fatigued by getting involved in every single game. So I think there might be a 
chance that he doesn't start. But with, with him, when it comes to the forwards, it's a good thing that Pulisic is finally ready. But I doubt he's going to start as well, seeing as he played just one game in the league uh, the whole season and has been injured the whole time. So our back line is quite covered. Chaloba needs to get the minutes, and he's going to get them anyhow. And Ruben Loftus-Cheek can start. Barkley can start. Saul can get some minutes as well. I mean, he has been training, so he's he gets to play the games as well. And Callum might start as the wing back because Tuchel said that he acknowledges that uh, Callum is making a bit of a sacrifice playing out of position instead of playing as a left winger that he prefers going to the right wing back. So there's a chance that he starts as the right, right wing back again, which is not a bad thing because we've seen that our wing backs are the person. Uh, I mean, are the players that have the most goals in the squad. Reese James has four, and Chilwell has three. So that's those are the highest goals that we have in the squad. So it's not a bad thing to play as a wing back in a two-hole squad. So I wouldn't mind if I were Callum. I'd try to make the most use of uh, that position and try to make use of some of the few counters that we are able to conjure up against Malmo. Yeah, I mean, with the Kai Havertz thing, I mean, for me, it's just who who, who plays up front because obviously Werner and Lukaku are out and there's no natural yeah, exactly. to put up I mean, front. So I think we, we are boss the boss. Forward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, people have said put Ruben up top, but I love Ruben, but I, I don't like to see him up. When, when, yeah, when Mourinho I mean, tried him up there, I was like, gonna nah, happen. Awful. that's not going to happen. Remember that? It was that awful. Work. Yeah. I mean, it could have been worse. You could have had Pato up front like we were in the days. Ugh. Ugh. Fuck out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it is worse. Might as, well just, might as well just ask Eto to come out of retirement and fucking play. Okay, yeah, okay. At least we don't have like Remy, who's always offside. Yeah, the qu- the question the question the question is who was more offside, Morata or Remy? Remy. I think Remy, yeah. Remy was always offside. When when the parents were with the kid, they were saying, "Is it a guy or a girl?" It's like the doctor was like, "It's offside." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Oh, oh, man. oh my god! Uh, great! That was, that was another great moment in the pod. I mean, if, imagine if we had bloopers for every bit of the pod. Oh. We'd have oh so much. Oh it, it'd fill out an episode on its own. Um, <laughs> yeah, it would. But yeah, I mean, I think Kai will probably play. We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll get into it more in the start. Because we don't have any other options. You, like, yeah. Mount is out as well. So that cuts out another forward. Pulisic can't start. That cuts out another forward. Yeah, and, so, it's, and it's a low-risk game too, I think. Like, it's Malmo. Like, like we all know that it should be a, an easy win. I mean, you know what I mean? Barring any injuries or anything like that. But even if Kai doesn't score a goal and we, we're up like... Two nothing convincingly or three nothing up convincingly for half time. You could just take him off and play Ross up front or, or somebody else up front. Play a false nine. Hey, and just call it I got this. an idea. They could What's play up? Alonso up front. Ooh, oh. that would work. I've been saying that for years. Yeah, exactly. You've not been saying that for years, and we finally have a moment when we are short of forwards, and he could just slot right in. I think Chelsea Twitter would honestly go into the biggest meltdown possible. <laughs> oh my god! I wouldn't Imagine mind him. I wouldn't mind at all. I wouldn't mind it. I think he could play a really good role as a backup striker. I really yeah, do. Yeah, he could. 
I mean, he could be that Giroud-like striker that doesn't run a lot, but when he gets a chance, he has a sweet left foot. Just, just I, mean, like I, I mean, I mean to be fair, the way Chil- the way Chilwell's taking his shots recently, I would play him up front. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind him as well, but he's more of a volley person than taking sweet shots. That's true. But yeah, I mean, we'll get we'll we'll get into the lineup and see what we can conjure up. Um, Corey, are you worried about having the four injuries, or are you chilled out about it? No, I'm chilled out about it. I mean, I believe in the in the staff to to get it to get them all held up. As clearly, my daughter thinks the same way. Um, but uh, I think for me, I'm a little worried about Lukaku. Honestly, I just think he plays so much. He plays for us. He plays for Belgium all the time. I, I just, I, I just. I hope that he's all right, and I hope he continues to stay fit because we're going to really need him. You know, I mean, we don't have another striker. I mean, Timo, if Timo and him are out, like we said, how long can Kai really play as, as a striker? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm a little nervous about it. Um, unfortunately, seeing Tammy go, this would be a perfect spot for Tammy to shine his his light. But, I mean, Tammy's time was to go and go abroad, and I think that's worked out well for him, obviously. But I think we're counting ourselves short if they're both, you know, Lukaku and, and Timo are out. Like, it's going to kind of hurt the team a little bit. So, just got to kind of hope to God that he can come back into fitness pretty fast. You know I mean? We're going to, we're going to need him for the stretch of games we're going to end up having, and he needs to be fine in the back of the net uh, more often. Yeah. I think it was a bit unfortunate to be fair of having both Lukaku and Werner come out the same game. I think it'd be very, it'd be very unlucky if we had this situation again, where both Werner and Lukaku are out from reasonably big injuries. Um, so we'll have to see. I mean, I do get your point. Look, Martinez does is like it's like when it's like Mason Mount with Gareth Southgate. Martinez does not give him a rest whatsoever, and it frustrates me so much. Honestly, like there, there are it's not like it's not like you haven't got other strikers that you could play. You've got enough forwards in that team that you could put Who someone up play? there. Is he gonna play? Talk about... or Ben Tiki? Yeah, I mean they, they'll probably they'll probably play a Rigi, but you you, you but I mean still. you you it's, yeah, but look at do you look at the teams Belgium play? It, you've you've got players you've got other players like Hazard, De Bruyne around you you don't you don't having Origi on the pitch and when Origi does play for Belgium he actually plays quite well so that's what confuses me it's not like it's one Origi's been one of them players that when he actually comes into the national team he does better than when he does for his club so it's it's Lukaku, one of the ones that gets confused with me why he doesn't actually just give him a little rest at times. I think Lukaku has a desire to play for these tiny international games as well against these tiny squads where he knows he can score and build up a record because he's their top goal scorer. He just he wants to be up there with uh, Ronaldo with the yeah. highest scoring I mean, international. I mean, I, I mean, I get that, but at the same time, like you got to think about your fitness and like what relies on you more. Does your international club rely on you more, or does your club club you know rely on you more? And you're yeah. they're paying you. I mean, essentially, the club Chelsea's paying you bought loads of money to go out there and perform for your club, not paying you to go out there and play for your international team. So if, I mean, to, like to my point where I was saying Ole sucks, Martinez has, has had the golden generation of, of Belgian players and has done jack with it. You know what I'm saying? Like talk about an awful, an awful manager. I mean, in games where it doesn't matter, you know, playing against anybody, Azerbaijan for God's sakes, and he's out there playing a full 11. Like you don't need all those guys out there. You can literally play like 16 year olds and they would be able to handle themselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Lukaku needs to learn how to take a break, even from himself. And someone should sit him down and be like, "Hey, man, this is a game where we don't need you to play. Sit the bench or stay or stay or stay at the hotel or something like that. You don't need to play every game because your club is going to come back." And that's the same thing with the Champs with Ngolo. Ngolo leaves and goes on international break, oh. and what happens every time he goes on international break? He gets fucking hurt. Every single the time. Is, 
every single day. Deshaun's is a legit asshole. Time. Asshole. Every time he goes on an international break, Conte plays all the games, comes back, and he has a calf injury or a, a, he's got a nagging injury and he's out for two weeks. And then there goes, you know, the cup games and stuff like that that he can't play in or big games where we need him. And it always it always lines up. And the French, the whole national team of the that French setup, it's so toxic. Conte must hate it there. Cause, oh my god. Like, what with parents fighting with each other, players with their inflated egos, like I don't think he fits into that squad mentally. No, I think everyone everyone must be just like all the egos must be just happy that Kante's there because you know Kante won't kick up a fuss yeah, yeah. if you're being an idiot like Mbappe was. But yeah. I mean the th- thing is with Belgium Belgium could be playing San Marino, they could be eight 0 up at half time and Lukaku would still play ninety minutes. And it's honestly one of the most frustrating things to watch. But that's uh, unfortunately that's international football for you, and it's it you, it's not going to change. So you just have to kind of put up with it the best way you can. Um, but Corey, before we before we get into the, the lineup, obviously we do have one man that is training and he's fit and could. I don't think he'll start, but it could at least get some game time. Obviously, Jester's will be rubbing his hands with this, thinking Malmo. Pulisic return could be another. It could be a goal coming off the bench. Um, are you excited for Pulisic to come back? Finally, yeah, I'm. Mean, I am. Yeah, I am excited to see him come back. Uh, having a, a a real good. I mean, one of the better players we have on our squad. Uh, on when on form, he is arguably one of our best players. Um, and I think. Um, finally being able to see him again. I mean, he's been out for so long, you know, so long. And I bet, I bet you it feels so great for him to be able to try to come back and, and show to Tommy Tuchel again why he's so important to our team. Um, I'm hoping he's he's really 100% fit. I know that sometimes some players go in there saying they're 100% fit and they're really not. But um, I'm really hoping for him to be 100% fit because I would like to see him at least get 45 minutes, half an hour, 20 minutes, anything like that in the second half. Take the pressure off. Like, hopefully the game is kind of killed off and there's no pressure. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I, I'm hoping he, he shows up well, and I think that going forward, we're going to need him. You know, we're going to need him. We're going to need him, and we're going to need Ziyech. I know the fan base gets on on Ziyech a lot, but we're going to need these players. I mean, you're going to have to get fucking used to seeing these guys because when guys go out, you're going to need these guys to play, and when these guys are out there playing, they're playing to their best of ability. It's not Ziyech's fault that sometimes, you know, some things don't go 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 well for him. You know, I mean, he almost had a goal. I mean, if he wasn't offside, that, that's we're talking about a goal, and then the whole fan base shuts their mouth. You know, what I mean, oh, ZX the best player we ever had. Like, you know, what I mean, it's just this fan base needs to calm down and stop being so reactionary all the time. Yeah, I mean, look, with with Pulisic, I think it's I I well, I, I think it's it's been an unfortunate season where obviously he's had these injury problems, and we can all admit that. But this season, it's been from getting COVID to idiotic tackle that was in no way I, I keep hearing people else saying it's Pulisic's fault that he got the tackle it's like I don't understand how you can be logically saying that it's Pulisic's fault that he got an ankle injury and is out for this time so I mean hopefully Pulisic can come back and considering he scored in the first game as well so he, he was up and running quite early got into his momentum and then it's just been killed by just unfortunate events so hopefully he can come back. Um, my worry is he'll, he'll, he'll play um, against Malmo, probably not, maybe might not get a goal, but play well. He might start against Burnley and do really well because he, he scored a hat-trick against Burnley a couple of times. So uh, he might he might, he'll do really well. Scored last season as well. Yeah, scored last season. 
And then you know he's going to go back on international duty of America and get injured again with some stupid ankle injury or knee injury or something like that. He'll break his leg or something because, you know, Corey, you you know you know better than all of us what uh, U.S. international duty can be like. So, oh, awful. it's brutal. So that that that's my worry. I'm just hoping that they say he's not quite fit enough to go on international duty, even if he plays. But. Um, you know, he'll, you know, you'll get called up, and you'll know he'll play ninety in a minute. So we'll, we'll we'll leave it at that. Um, Arrow, are you excited to see Pulisic return and possibly get a bit some minutes? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think this is the absolute perfect time for him to return because what with both our strikers injured in Lukaku and Werner and Kai Havers being overworked since the past few games, I think Pulisic can slot right in into that false nine position because. We have seen him do that on the Lampard quite just just a few times, but we know he can do it, and he has a sweet shot, so he can he can make those runs behind, like Warner did. He can finish the uh, finish the chances that he gets, and he can he can be the key goal scorer for us in the next few weeks. Because now is a good as time as any that he's gonna get in his career to get the bounce back. Because normally when players bounce back. They have to climb their way all the way up to like up from the packing from the packing order, and then when they do get the chance, maybe there's another player waiting right behind to grab that opportunity. But in this case, we don't have many forwards right now who are fit, so he can take this opportunity and try to prove his worth to us. Definitely, I, I hope he does because I think he's he, he's honestly one of one of our most technically gifted players that we've got on this team. I think when we miss him, we miss him a lot. We don't we don't really have that player that gives what Pulisic gives, especially in the forward position. Um, so yeah, I hope he comes back and he does really well. Um, moving into the predicted lineup, we'll kind of go through this quite quickly because it should be relatively simple, especially with the injuries. There's not too many different players to pick up. Um, goalkeeper, uh, we all in agreement that Kepa will probably play. Yeah, Kepa for me. Yes. Great, that was a nice and easy one. Um, the back three, um, Corey, I'll start with you. What, what would you pick for your back three? Um, I think I wouldn't probably play Silva. I think he's probably going to sit and bench. Uh, but I'd probably do Choloba. Going to get some a little bit of Christensen love. And why not Rudiger? Because I mean, he loves to be out there. Um, but wouldn't be shocked to see an Aspie addition. Uh, yeah, Arrow, what do you think? What would you put as your back three? Yeah, but the same as uh, as Corey did with Rudiger on the left, Christensen right in the middle, and uh, Chaloba to his right. But I wouldn't be surprised uh, if Sar starts this game in place of Rudiger oh, as well. Shout. Yeah, that, that's a, that's a good shot. I mean, Malmo is that kind of game. Developing quite yeah. well under Tuchel, and it's been quite nice to see him at least get some consistent game time and and play quite well. Because uh, in preseason, when I saw him, I was quite disappointed by his performances. But this has completely changed from what I had seen. Yeah, definitely. I th- I think he will be. Uh, so I actually, I did put Rudiger down on my 
back three. But when you mention Saar, I thought it's Malmo. So definitely, he played. If he can play Saar against teams like Brentford and that, and he's done okay, I think I think he'll play against Malmo. Malmo, you could play. You could play our under 16s and they'd probably still get a decent result. But um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, I'll, I'm I'm going to go Saar, Christensen, Shaloba as well. Uh, so we'll kind of stick that in as ours. Um, Corey, who would you go for the wing backs? Oh, it's got to be Alonso and Aspie. If Reese isn't, if Reese sits the bench, it's going to be Aspie. If he doesn't, if Aspie doesn't play as a centre back, then he'll be playing as a right wing back. Yeah, because I mean, I I I clocked on that Aspie hasn't started the last two games, so I feel like Aspie is rested and ready to play. So, I mean, I I can't remember last time Aspie didn't play two games in a row. Oh, I know, so. right? Holy hell! Yeah, I mean, Arrow, would you would you agree with Alonso and Aspie? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Because uh, yeah, the only reason Aspie didn't play two games uh, continuously because he was injured for that game for that midweek game last uh, last week. He was supposed to start, but he couldn't be started because he dropped out. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I mean, I think that's that that is some decent wing backs, and I think they'll do all right. Um, Corey, who would you go as your central mid two midfield pairing? It always seems like Jorginho is always available to play, so he'll probably start. Um, he's one of the vice captains, it seems like. And then I'm gonna say uh, Ruben Loftus Cheek. Always love to hear that name in the starting lineup. Um, Arrow, who would you who would you would you go the same midfield two, or have you got a little bit different? No, I'm going with Rubes, of course. A star man, Ruben loves his cheek, and alongside him, give some minutes to Saul as well. He's come all, come all the way from Spain. Just give him some love. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I I think. See, I'm I'm stuck with you. I think knowing Tuchel, he will start Jorginho. And probably take him off either at half time or at the 60th minute for Sal. And then I think he'll play Ruben next to him. Um, I just think while Tuchel would like to rest Jorginho, I think Tuchel doesn't take any game with uh, easy. So I think he will play um, Jorginho in just to keep that a bit of stability of some sort. Um, Corey, what would you go with the front three? Uh, I'm going to go with. Callum Hudson-Odoi, uh, Kai Havertz, and I'm going to see another opportunity for Hakim Ziyech. Nice one, nice one. Um, Arrow, would you yeah. um, agree with that? Yep, totally. Same as the weekend, but I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Barkley is involved as a part of the mm-hmm. front three as, uh, like at some point of the game. Well, I, I've actually gone a little... I, I have put... Kalamazo kind of Doi and I put Havertz in, but I've actually tipped Barkley to start over Zia. Yeah, come I mean, on. Even I was thinking. Was, I've just I got that. I've like, just got yeah. that funny feeling that Barkley will start, and he'll probably give Zia because obviously we have played with Zia, Havertz, and Cho we've, we've, in the last few games. So we've got to give him. Some and it'd sort be quite fair as well because Zia, uh, even after uh, being given the minutes, hasn't performed quite the way we would have wanted, and Barkley with short minutes has at least shown us something so i i wouldn't say it's unfair to ziyash or barkley even like if either of them don't start but yeah one of them would start yeah i uh, see where well, we've got five subs as well i see obviously i see callum coming off for pulisic at some point i then yep. would see ziyash probably come on the last 30 minutes for barkley 
Sal to come on for Jorginho, and then you've got two left there you for... come on for Callum, because he could use the rest as well. Yeah, I said Pulisic would come on for Callum, and Ziyech yeah. would come off for... Maybe maybe Ziyech, maybe Ziyech comes on for ha- off for Havertz. Well, I can't wait to see Pulisic. It's been but so we'll long. See. Yeah, it's been it's been too long. Um, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's, he's such a fun player to watch. Yeah, so even if he's not getting the goals or assists, the things he does again, just the watching it, it's just nice to see. And I, I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, obviously that is the predicted lineup. Um, I think we've all had very similar lineups, and any lineup that we play against Malmo should be enough. But we we'll wait and see. Um, we'll come to the predicted uh, scores. Um, Corey, what would you predict for uh, this game? Um, I'm going to go with a 3-1 game. I think they'll probably squeak in a cheapy goal. Uh, Kepa's not very good going down <laughs> during games, and sometimes he just stands still. Like Time is moving so slow when he's in goal. Um, but I think that we'll pull the win out. I, I, like you said, it's Malmo. It, we should be able to like easily handle this game with any of the players that we have on our team. So uh, 3-1. Oh, Kappa, Kappa, Kappa. But uh, who would who, your scorers be? Um, I am going to go with if ZX starts, he's going to score one. Um, he, he's he's good in those European nights, man. Uh, watching him at Ajax, he was just, he's something else, man. If he gets something on his left foot with some space, man, there there's nothing stopping that shot. He hits some rockets with that left foot. Um, I'm going to see uh, Kai Havertz. I'm going to go with the goal. He's, he, he loves a good old cheeky European night. Uh, I winked at Man City. Uh, and then um, I'm going to go with everyone's favorite, Christian Pulisic, scoring in like the 80th minute when he comes in as a sub. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll be so happy when he does. <laughs> um, Arrow, what, what, would you, what would you predict for this game? Uh, I'd go with a 4-0 win, an easy 4-0 win. And your scorers? Um, Kai Havertz. And I could see Callum scoring one as well. Uh, I see Ziyech getting one and Marcos Alonso scoring from a free kick. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm going to go the same as you, are. I'm going to go four nil. Uh, again, I'm going to go with it's going to be an own goal from Malmo. Um, I think you're going to get to see Pulisic get a goal. You're going to see Hudson Odoi get one, and I think maybe a defender from a corner. Uh, if I'm going to pick one. Um, I hope Ruben gets one. I'd love. Yeah, I was gonna to, say I, I Matt. Love uh, Matt to was one. pulling to not have him say Ruben loves you. He's like he's biting his cheek, <laughs> not saying Ruben. Forgive the pun. Ruben loves his cheek. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I mean, Yo, screw, that was screw cheeky. The, Corey. Screw, oh, thanks. <laughs> Listen, uh, not gonna lie, it's gonna be an eight-no win, and Ruben's gonna have every single goal. Exactly. No, <laughs> I wouldn't mind. Once every <laughs> ten minutes. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, I screwed the defender. Ruben scoring the fourth one. So yeah, Beautiful. I mean that that is that is, I mean that's kind of the end of the Malmo preview. I mean there's not really much more to speak about, but there is some other news, um, that is kind of Chelsea related, but not directly Chelsea related. Obviously, Tottenham have had a disastrous start of the season, which is music to every Chelsea fan's ears that a relevant club is continuing to be irrelevant um but they've obviously sacked Nuno and they look like they're going to bring former Chelsea manager Antonio Conte obviously Chelsea uh, Tottenham they seem to have this weird um flex about getting 
previous Chelsea managers into the job. AVB, Mourinho, um, now they're going for Conte. Um, Corey, what, what do you think of this move? And do you think do you think Tottenham and Conte are going to be a success? I'm trying not to laugh when this when I say that. Um, I I, I think um, I know it's going to be a little weird, and I know that the timeline on Twitter, Chelsea Twitter, has been legitimately awful since this morning. Since I woke up this morning, uh, I've I jumped on Twitter and I just saw everyone just comparing Sorry versus Conte. Listen, we have. We have Thomas Tuchel, who literally won us uh, a European championship. I could care less what Antonio Conte and Maurizio Sarri are doing at this very fucking moment in time. I could care less. Like, what we have right now is a good thing. We shouldn't be complaining. We should not be worrying about what other managers are doing. Do I think uh, Conte should be at Spurs? Why not? It's going to make the league more competitive. It makes the league more entertaining, and it's what we always want. We want this league to. Be, we think this league is the best league. It is the best league, and we should always have the best coaches and the best players in this league. Because once they leave, we always complain. There's no one here, you know, yada yada yada. L- listen, this is what we want. We want competitiveness, and we want this league to be better. Because what does it always do? It makes the top six always more fun to watch. Is it always fun to watch Arsenal burn to the ground? Of course, because they suck. Um, is it fun to watch Tottenham burn to the ground? Yeah, because they suck. But it'll be awesome to watch those Tottenham Chelsea games again where some fucking heart and passion is involved, and we're seeing some scruffy matches, like that one where William got pushed by Danny Rose, and they pushed their assistant coach, and I wanted to kill somebody. But, besides the point, um, I do think that with Conte and uh, Spurs, I do think they'll have some success. I don't know if they would win a Premier League. Uh, one of my best friends is a, is a Spurs supporter. Uh, I was telling him about how, how much I loved Antonio Conte when he was at Chelsea. Um, I think they'll have some great success, especially if Harry Kane stays. And if Conte can get Harry Kane back into his form again, they would be a, they'll be a top top team. And I'm not joking; like they'll be competitive 100. percent Yeah, it's interesting. Obviously, I I I just worry about with our board. Conte was um, he got very annoyed very quickly after we didn't get his targets, and we know um, Tottenham are one of the most stingiest clubs in the country so I feel like that could be a recipe of disaster but we'll see, we'll see. I'm, I'm sure I'm sure they will get some success in the field it's just how long that will last and will they get a trophy in time is the question um, Arrow what, what do you think of Conte going to Spurs? <laughs> Conte going to Spurs well, at least it's better than Conte going to Man United because with Manchester United I mean he would have a bit of a chance to win something, but with Spurs, we know that he's he's not going to win anything with Spurs anyway. So I'd prefer that he doesn't win anything in England with another team. So because someone a serial winner like Jose Mourinho couldn't win anything like Spurs, what do you think Conte is going to do? So yeah, it all works out for us anyway. And as for the whole situation there, I think Tottenham were uh, really. Uh, I mean, they were eager to sack Nuno because they were uh, afraid that Manchester United might sack Oli first and get Conte before they got to take Conte. But there's another fact that Conte uh, was in talks with Spurs before as well. And now the thing is, what would have changed from then to now? Would Levy give in to Conte's demands? Uh, I mean, Conte's demands are mostly going to be he wants new players. He wants the team to be competitive. Then Levy will say that they're going to compete, but would he be able to give them the players? Uh, when it comes to Spurs and Conte, another 
major connection is obviously Fabio Paratici because he had a really good, great relationship with Paratici at the Juventus and he, I mean, Paratici was always trying to get Conte back to Juventus, but he just wasn't too eager to go back. So that would, that would be, uh, that would be, that might be a factor in Conte going to Spurs. And another name being floated around is Fonseca, who might, I mean, who was uh, tied up with Tottenham back before the uh, the season started as well, before Nuno got in. Because Nuno was like, what, the eighth or ninth choice for Tottenham Hotspurs before everyone I else mean, rejected them? You had sorry, you had sorry Fonseca. Yeah, I, mean, I can't you even count anymore. Potter, they had so many had rejections. Rogers, you had... Oh, so many. So Apart from the so fact many. that they're that creep that always uh, looks with eager eyes at their rival's ex-girlfriends. So I think that, that would give Definitely. them another, another reason to take Conte. I wouldn't surprise me if after after they sack Sari, they'll, they'll, they'll look for Sari or they'll look for Lampard or someone like that. We'll go for more yeah, Chelsea managers. Uh, Lampard wouldn't go there. I mean, Lampard. I, 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 I think he would, he Lampard might there, be but... tied to the job. Uh, I mean, yeah. he's more closer to the job at Newcastle than at the job at Spurs. I, I, I would just make the point that there is no loyalty in football, so I, I, nothing is off the card to me. But yeah, maybe. But there are a lot more jobs uh, out there than that he'd rather take than Spurs. So it's not like he's. A manager that no one else wants, and only Spurs would want. And I don't think Spurs would want Lampard now anyway, because uh, he hasn't really proven himself yet. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, I'm saying this is in the future, but it's just, it's just Tottenham's weird flex with trying to get ex-Chelsea managers into the job recently. Yeah. But they're all failing, so it's it's nice to see that. So uh, the Chelsea managers have always got Chelsea at heart and trying to make Tottenham as bad as they can. But there you go. I mean, I've just seen a wonderful photo uh, saying about Oli playing 4D chess. Uh, defeats Spurs 3-0 at home. Gets their manager sacked. Now Conte becomes Spurs manager. And Conte is no, no longer a point. Conte is no longer a threat <laughs> to your job. Checkmate. And then it's just got the RS gif uh, with him uh, with, uh, pointing to his head. Brilliant, brilliant. I mean... I hope Ollie stays in the job for as long as he can. I, I hope so too. I really I, see, so. I, if Conte went to United, that would worry me. Him going exactly. to Tottenham. Like I said, like I, said uh, I mean, thought him going to Spurs is a lot better than him going to Manchester United. As we've seen with Harry Kane, any promise that Daniel Levy or anyone gives, you can't take it for granted. Levy, Levy is an absolute shithead. He's one of the like major reasons that I hate Tottenham so much. Like, you, you know, you know uh, Conte's going to try and go in for Victor Moses, but Tottenham probably won't have enough money to even buy him. <laughs> Victor Moses. Yeah. Oh, Imagine if funny. we hadn't sold Victor Moses last, last summer and they asked us for Victor Moses and we said, just no, fuck it. 50 million. <laughs> 50 million and, and get us Modric again. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um... Yeah, I mean, there's one one more little thing before we finish up. Obviously, we had Chelsea's, the men's team success at the weekend, which was great. But we also had success with the women's team. Again, another 3-0 victory 
uh, in the FA Cup semi-final, which actually is last season's FA Cup. They've got this weird schedule going on where they're playing in the first half of the season, last year's FA Cup, and then they start the FA Cup in January again for this season. But there you go. Obviously, we're in now the final, playing at Wembley on December the 5th against Arsenal, which is a nice uh, little London derby at Wembley. And this is a chance for Chelsea women to get treble. Um, Corey, obviously, I, sh- I, I, I as far as I'm aware, you guys don't watch the women's football. But um, what do you think of uh, Chelsea getting into the getting possibility of a treble for the women's? I think my daughter just said it all. Um, I did. Uh, I was driving to work uh, yesterday, I'm pretty sure. Uh, no, sorry. I was driving to work Saturday. And I was listening to the girls' game. I don't actually get to watch it a lot because they don't televise it here in America. Um, occasionally they do, but it's really rare. Um, but it's a great accomplishment. Obviously, this women's team has always been so good. Uh, Fran Kirby is one of my all-time favorite girl footballers. Um, I like the whole team. Um, I think they have another they have another chance of doing it again. I just think in the Champions League, if they get matched up against that Barcelona team, man, that Barcelona team is by far one of the best women teams. It it's it's insane. Ever would they like concede like two goals? All I of mean, last year, they, they scored. The they scored like a hundred and twenty something goals. I mean, the they're the exactly. pinnacle of women's club football right now. One hundred percent. Like there is not a single women's team who probably beats them. And and Chelsea and Chelsea women's are legitimately the best team in in England. And that just goes to show how good that Spanish team is. That Barcelona women's team is unreal. I mean, yeah. I'd argue if we didn't capitulate though in the Champions League final against them, I think we would. Yeah. Have, we we might have still lost, but I think we would have done all right. Cause we, in the second half, I know they probably dropped off a little bit as well, but we kind of matched them and started getting a better of them. But because we just made them stupid mistakes in the first ten yeah, minutes, I mean, and then they that dropped dodgy, off that dodgy penalty had as well. A big lead anyway. Yeah, I mean, Arrow, what, what what do you think of the uh, final? And uh, get, it's great. It's great. It gives us uh, a chance at a treble. It stops Man City women from winning their third consecutive FA Cup. So. That's a big point for us because we don't want them. We won't want. We don't want a monopoly for City at the Women's FA Cup like they have over the over the Carabao Cup. So that's a great point as well that they lost against us. Uh, and credit to Emma Hayes. She's really turned it around and she has worked her with all her passion. I was gonna say worked her ass off, but just sounds a bit disrespectful to Emma Hayes. Yeah, and props to her. She's been brilliant, and the goals were perfect. I mean, three goals, three nil. Yeah, what more to ask? Yeah, I mean, Erin Cuthbert's goal was beautiful. I, I, I didn't watch the, the highlights. I didn't watch the highlights. I mean, the, go- the, goalkeep- the goalkeeper was nice. wasn't very good, but because obviously, I yeah, heard she sucked. Man, yeah, yeah second, I, second goal was quite similar as well from the yeah, first. Second, just wasn't goal was just not awful, as outrageous. That. Uh, I, I think it's it's one of these because Man City are they are struggling with injuries. They've got I think about six or seven players out. And it's nice uh, to see Beth England getting back to scoring yeah. as well. That's true. Yeah, it's good. Nice goals to get back into it. Um, but yeah, I think they they had their first and second choice goalkeeper injured as well. So it was kind of like one of them things where if you're going into a third choice goalkeeper, oh yeah, well, who cares? Game, I mean, so was the Bruffang injured, right? Huh? We got Darlow in place of the Bravka. Yeah. Oh, he's talking about the men's. Yeah, the men's. Yeah. I mean, I've always been saying this for a while. Well, if we ever sack Tommy Tuchel, let's just promote Emma Hayes to the men's team. 
I'm wondering whether she will get them because she obviously the AFC Wimbledon did come after her last summer, and she said that that would have been a step down from her from Chelsea Ooh. women. Yeah, of course, because she's competing for titles with Chelsea. I mean, yeah, she's she's been in the final uh, of the Champions League. Where she was, she gonna go to AFC Wimbledon playing in League Two or I mean League One. I think the only I think the only step up. Sorry, not to interrupt, Matt. I think the only step up for her would be coaching England's women's or coaching England's men's. Yeah. yeah, I wonder if she was to go into the men's game, where would you say would be that area where she it starts to step up? It starts to seem as a step up because obviously Chelsea women's being Chelsea's women's is fantastic, but then uh, being I'd say the a fir- team, yeah, I'd say a team like Fulham, who's currently in the championship and is uh, like have a chance that they go up to the Premier League. Someone like Fulham or Swansea, maybe. So yeah, so an upper kind of upper championship team. Yeah, upper championship team, top five championship team. I mean, I would say I, I would have, I'd have said Norwich because <laughs> they always come up and go down and do the same thing. Yo, um, imagine her at Newcastle as the as the first coach after the takeover. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I, 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 Saudi, so sick. The, the Saudi is uh, going ultra liberal to make up for over their those. fucking coach. over there fucking coaching fucking Mbappe and shit. Fucking. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, that would be that. I uh, that I'd love to see Emma Hayes just coaching Mbappe and telling it to putting him in his place. Yeah. Uh, but, she would uh, though. She scares me, bro. Yeah, honestly, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of her. Um, Corey, where, where, like what, yep. what would you? What do you think? What would be a step up for you? Would you agree higher championship, or would you go lower or higher? I don't. I, I, I'm generally. I'm curious because I think if she wasn't willing to go to AFC Wimbledon, and I know Wimbledon's uh, their league, their League One, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if she, I, I just think like for someone like her, she's she's gonna want to she's gonna want someone who's got an area or an opportunity to at least win win something either whether it be an FA Cup, Carabao Cup, the League Cup that they have down in the in the lower leagues and then obviously I know the pinnacle is obviously winning like the Premier League but I think that's something that would be for hard. I mean she can go for Spurs if she wanted to. I mean she I know she's a diehard Chelsea but she can go coach the Spurs men's team at this point. Shocked they haven't gone for it yet. Um I don't know. I think I like Aro's idea. I think like higher up championship, maybe like a like a like a lower I wouldn't say a relegation like Premier side but I don't know, like, I really, if Newcastle wasn't being taken over, I would have honestly said Newcastle. Because they're, like, one of those teams they always manage to stay in. They're always constantly, like, you know, they're there. They're kind of around. They can beat, like, the better teams. I don't know, like, someone like Norwich. I just think, like, she was going up and down within the Premier League and the Championship. I just think, like, she would just be like, I'll just rather just stay at, at Chelsea Women's where I'm constantly winning something, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah exactly. that's Where true. she go from... Competing for the Champions League to competing for the Johnson Spain Trophy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, That's I would argue, I would argue the whole idea of being the first woman to step across would would be a big point on its own. Oh my god! I, I, I mean, again, I'd, it's I'd, not I'd, just about it, stepping across. She would want to step up instead of just stepping across. Yeah, right. I think yeah, of course. Be, so huge for the women's game if, if she was the first women's coach to not only to not only coach a men's team but to also coach a men's team in in the Premier League like it would be monumental for women's football yeah exactly and she wouldn't be just stepping across for the sake of stepping across she would actually right. be taking a step in her career upwards yeah definitely I, I think she could I think she can do it I mean I wouldn't want to leave Chelsea women of course because 
she's an absolute wonder and I wish she'll stay there for the rest of her career. But um yeah, I just it's for me it's I, I do think I do agree with Arrow. I think cha- lower championships, something like when you said Fulham, that kind of fit. That kind of for me looked yeah, and fit yeah, exactly. Perfectly. It's just across the road anyway. Yeah, across the road, they do have a bit of money, so you do have that money to spend. It's a fairly yeah, well run, well. it's a fairly well run club, and I think she would. I think she would do well. With it. I mean, I just look at her and think ta- the tactical knowledge is just it's just so so good. Um, it's not. I, I, I'm, tr- I'm not. I'm not trying to uh, insult other women coaches, but it's just that level above, and the fact that obviously you get, you do get quite a few men's coaches in the women's game, and she's even, she's, she's a level above them as well. And I just think she's, she's so good for this game, and she's obviously she's got a good team, she's built a good team, but she's the one that brings in the players. She thinks what fits in this team, and she's managed to bring a lot of players together that you would think you wouldn't fit together and they have and she each system each year she's adapting the system making sure we're staying fresh um kind of like it reminds me of how Alex Ferguson used to do with um Manchester United you'd get we had players like Aluko who were doing really well and then suddenly we'd she'd get rid of them bring other players in and now she's got with like like Kirby Kerr Harder and she's refreshing it. She's always looking to, even with G now, you'll see G was really important, but now she's bringing in new players um, into that. And even with, you've got Carly Telford, you've brought in Berger, and when Berger goes, you're going to bring in, I assume she's going to bring Zakira Muscovich in. Um, obviously, that's, she's back, back a second choice now, but I imagine she'll move up. But she's she's able to be that so adaptable, bringing in this back three at the moment. Yeah, there's been a few mistakes from it, but it's natural. Um, so uh, hopefully she'll be able to one day maybe make the move, and if if she does, I'll, I'll support her all the way because it'd be, be a proud moment, not just for her but for Chelsea Football Club as well to yeah, facilitate surely, that. Surely. Better coach um, than Phil Neville. Oh yeah, definitely much better coach definitely. than Phil Neville. Exactly. Better coach because than Gary as well. Chelsea have been oh, Emma <laughs> is um, supporting her for a long time, so it would be truly great for us. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that does bring the end to what is another wonderful pod. Um, just a few business things to let you guys know about just before we finish. Obviously, we have the Instagram page that we said about a couple of weeks ago. We're currently on 59 followers, which is pretty good. We're slowly bringing up the follow account. So if you guys haven't checked that out, make sure you go check that out. The link will be down in the description right now to you to go check that out. Let's try and get it to 100 followers before the, end, the new year which is doable, we should be able to do that. Um, secondly, I'll, obviously I will take this time to just let you guys know of the new up-and-coming plans, uh, not just for the podcast, but for the Twitter in general. So, starting off with the Twitter, obviously you've been seeing we've been starting to post some um, pre-match stuff, some uh, talking point stuff during the game, some after. I apologise for it not being every match. I've been a bit uh, busy with new job and that, so... It, from now on it will be regular but at the end of the game we're looking to bring in uh kind of a little fan cam fan reaction so we're going to give we're going to start off with some of the panelists that we currently have on now jesters and a couple of others just to bring in some two minute videos just about the game so you can you guys can check that out but what we will also do in the next couple of weeks after we get it up and running we'll start opening up to anyone can come in and send their videos in 
that's just what has to be is two minutes, just fairly good video quality, and obviously, be 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 kind, no hate. If if you're gonna hate, we won't show it. But uh, it's just to try and get all you guys, all the followers involved into what we want to integrate this podcast, YouTube, Twitter, all together. And then secondly, on the podcast aspect, it has been in the plannings for a while. Uh, obviously, we want to cover all forms of Chelsea. We are looking to bring in a Chelsea women's show. Uh, it looks like it will probably be after the international break. It'll be a weekly show just on the Chelsea women's in general. We'll have, I think it'll be mainly me and Marv starting off, but we'll get some other uh, female uh footballers uh commentators onto the channel to guest uh we've got a few uh collaborations that i'm looking to bring in obviously when if corey's free arrow's free we'll bring them in as well uh we'll bring a lot of the old og people in as well and yeah we were looking to bring in properly cover all for all all aspects of chelsea so make sure you guys check out in the next couple of weeks and let us know what you want us to improve on this podcast, on Twitter, on anything. Just send us either a message or on Apple Podcasts. Pull it in the review section and we'll we'll have a read of them and we'll look to improve. Um, Corey, uh, just to get into uh, the end of the pod, thank you for coming on. It's a pleasure to have you on for uh, the first time, what, two, three months. But hopefully it won't be too that long again until you come on again. Let's honestly hope so, because I honestly miss doing this. Like, I mean, I don't have a lot of time, you know, with with the kid and and with the job and life. You know, it's hard to get, you know, talking to you guys. Even our little group chat that we have, it's so hard to talk to you guys. But it's honestly been a pleasure. I've been, I'm so happy to be part of this podcast. I'm so happy to be friends with all you guys. So, uh, thank you so much for having me on again. Definitely, it's always a pleasure, and I can't wait till one day I get to go back to America once COVID's all over. And meet you guys in person because it's, it'll be it'll be great it'll be uh, great to finally see you guys in person oh, rather 100%. than just talking. Don't you worry, your boy's coming home. Definitely, definitely. And Arrow, thank you again for coming on second week in a row. Um, yeah, it's a pleasure to have you on. Pleasure's been on mine. And last week was so amazing. I thought I couldn't miss this again. And with Corey coming on. I couldn't miss it at all because my brother Corey, it's been so damn long that we've been on the pod together at the same time. Seriously, I love Aro, man. Love this guy. <laughs> yeah, love definitely. Too, and uh, seriously, I mean, guys, you wouldn't imagine how difficult it is to manage like three, four, five different time zones to make one single pod, uh, but that's what it is. We're worldwide, it's worldwide chills, and that's how we roll. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Arrow, Arrow's put it perfectly. The amount of time I have to look at to try and fit times in, and then especially when it's you're looking at um, bringing in new guests, it's getting their time zones sorted with people from here, which is kind of it works out in a way because when you've got someone from Australia, you can or that kind of time zone, you kind of fit, you kind of look and fit Arrow, Arrow into it, and then yeah. when it's someone from America, you can fit Jesters and Marv into it, but. Um, yeah, it's 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 a whirlwind, but we're we're looking to improve and get that all sorted. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for coming on again, and hopefully we'll soon get an OG pod uh, up very soon. We're aiming for the episode 100, so guys, stick stay tuned for that. 20 episodes to go to that, so hopefully we'll get that sorted between then and then. Uh, but yeah, guys, tune in. Uh, we'll probably look to come on back on next week. We'll review the Malmo game. We'll review Burnley. 
and then we'll have to go into the international break, which is unfortunate. But hopefully we can get there top of the league, uh, three points ahead of Liverpool, five points ahead of City. Let's go up the Chelsea.